Welcome to Who's the Best with me, Sandro Manetti. This is the podcast that debates and decides the top pop culture icons. From the playground to the pub, these conversations and arguments have raged for years. Often they end in fights. Maybe we'll even have a punch-up in the studio today. In the company of experts and insiders, and using a vote from fans, we will decide who is the best. Today, 007. He's had a license to thrill for well over 50 years, but which of the actors to have played Britain's greatest secret agent is the best? The contenders are Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Discussing the big question with me is an accomplished actor who narrowly missed out on being cast as James Bond, and he's still bitter about it, Harry Van Gorkum. A bit is a big word, Sandra. And a brilliant Irish comedian who could have been a Bond girl herself if only she wasn't so short, comedy giant Emma Pine. Well, I'm glad you think so, Sandra. Thanks. Yeah, I I think I would have set a record for being the shortest Bond girl ever. I'm five foot nothing. I blame my parents. My mother smoked during pregnancy. And my father was a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Later, we'll be joined by special guest Daz Crawford, who played Russian henchman Zed in The World Is Not Enough, starring Pierce Brosnan. And other familiar names will also share their thoughts on Who's the Best? James Bond. Let me briefly explain my association with the franchise. I've been lucky enough to meet all of the James Bonds in my capacity as a journalist, interviewer and host. I've hosted the international press launches of all the uh, Daniel Craig James Bonds and uh, I'll be sharing some stories later about what the Bonds are really like. But first, Harry, let's get to this story of um, what it was like to audition for the 007 role. How did the possibility come into your life? Well, how long have I got, Sandra? How long can I waffle on for? Um, make it short I'll make it short I won't make it short because it's a good story so I was doing a general meeting uh, with cast and directors in Los Angeles when I first get here it's a strange thing you do in LA when you first come as an actor and you meet cast and directors and you just sit down and talk you don't have to do any auditioning or any acting you just sit there and see if you get on with each other and I was doing that with a quite well-known cast and director and uh, halfway through me waffling on she said can you just 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 Stop for a minute. I'm going to get my partner to come into the building and uh, have a see, see you and meet you. And her partner came in, and they told me to carry on waffling on, so I did. And then they stopped me in that little confab, and they whispered to each other. And uh, they said, would you be interested in maybe meeting some people about playing James Bond? Now, that's the question which, quite honestly, every English actor, in fact, any actor, I think, who is male, wants to hear one day in his life, and I was absolutely bowled over, and I'm like, yes, please, that would be great. This is in the mid-90s, by the the way. Mid-90s, it was when Piers Brosnan was going to be playing James Bond, the second time, the first time he was going to do it, he couldn't do it because of contractual disputes. Mm -hmm. Remington Steele. Remington Steele. So that wonderful actor, Timothy Dalton, stepped in, who we'll talk about later. Um, But uh, (laughs) So so I researched... I, I researched every every way that every James Bond had got it, how Sean Connery got it, how George Lazenby got it. I did all this research and all this stuff about how to get James Bond. 
So I turn up at this meeting, not knowing quite you know what to expect, and sitting outside is this guy who looks exactly like a young Sean Connery, and it's Adrian Paul from Highlander. Oh, there can be only one. There can only be one. Well, no, not in this case. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm sitting there, I think, oh, for goodness sake, it's, it's Adrian Poor, and he's done Highlander, and, and he's well-known, and, and, and everyone knows him, and everyone loves him, and he looks like bloody Sean Connery. He looked like a younger Sean Connery. You'd done a bunch of movies and TV shows at this stage, but you mm. hadn't had that star-defining yeah. part. I hadn't. I mean, I had done some. I'd done a lot of comedy by then. I'd done Seinfeld. I'd done Friends, I think. But I hadn't done any major film. Right? I'd done Dragonheart 2 which is, as you hear, Dragonheart 2, uh, done that. And uh, so I wasn't as quite as well-known as uh, Adrian Paul. So he goes in first, and as he opens the door, I get a glance, a glimpse of what's in the room, and it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. There was a table with probably 30 people behind it. Because when you do this meeting for James Bond, everyone who's involved in the James Bond production process has a say, obviously. So you have Henry G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli and those people there, but you also have the, the director of photography, you have the makeup person, you have the hair people, you have the production designer. They're all there, and they basically are going to throw questions at you. So he goes in first, so I sit outside and go, okay, stay calm, stay calm. Don't. What, one thing you mustn't do is babble. Now, I have this reputation for babbling. I just, <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah, I, just, I will just babble on forever. And, and I'm thinking, stay calm, you're James Bond, stay calm, be cool. So I go in there, and there's one chair sitting in the middle of the room, and there's this panel in front of you, and I sit down, and I don't even remember what the first question is. Because as soon as the first question is over, I just start babbling about why I should be James Bond. And I just go into this 15-minute, I think, at least talk, if, it, if you can call it that. I'm beginning to understand why you didn't get this role there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually so nervous. I had an outer-body experience, which I've never had since, thank God, that I actually left my body and traveled into the corner of the room and looked back at myself saying, shut up, shut up, stop babbling. And I was still talking. I think we've all been at those job interviews, haven't we? When we've really said the wrong stuff. Yeah, you know. Anyway, surprisingly, it went all right, apparently, because then they called me in for a screen test. Mm. Now, the screen test was very simple. The screen test was three things. You had to basically say, Bond, James Bond. You had to do the draw at the start of the movie when they walk and the you know the DI follows you and you do the. Oh, you the draw. actually have to do that. Yeah. And, you had a, and you had a short scene with Money Penny. Well, the question is, of course, with the Bond, James Bond, is is like how many seconds gap do you leave between the Bond exactly. and the James Bond? So, what was your decision? I left. I left quite a long pause because I thought the longer you leave, the more confident you're going to be. But it's so hard not to hear Sean Connery in your head when you're doing it. It's hard not to get the lisp going. The draw, I did a draw. I'm not sure what I did. I probably looked like an out-of-control spider walking across a screen and throwing a gun in the air or something. And then the money penny scene, it was four or five lines. I can't remember them now. And I did it. And everyone was very complimentary. And then you wait. And I think I waited about three and a half, four weeks, almost a month, before we heard anything. And so how did you actually hear that it wasn't you? Well... Are you still waiting? I'm, st- I'm still I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the phone call. Um, it, it, it's a weird thing because it's the only part in the world, and this hit me in that three and a half, four weeks, it's the only part in the world that if you get that phone call overnight, the world knows your name. There's no other part I can think of in the history of television or film that suddenly if James Bond is announced, especially if you're an unknown, which I pretty well I was, that the world from would know Harry Van Gorkum. And I was kind of kind of daunted by that fact. When, when Daniel Craig heard, apparently, he was an off-license in London, 
he bought a bottle of vodka and went home and drank the whole bottle of vodka because he just couldn't quite get his head around the fact of what had happened. Vodka martinis, I'm sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and, and so I heard when Piers Brosnan was announced as the next James Bond. Now, I still think to this day that actually me and Adrian Paul brought in to make Piers Brosnan and his people aware that there were other people in the running, so he couldn't just say, right, it's mine, I want this much money. Also, as a negotiating tactic. I don't know. I'm, being, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that could be a possibility. Or back up. I mean, because, you know, they lost him once before for the right. contract to Remington Steel, so it was probably they needed some backup yeah. just in case the yeah. same thing happened again. So I was just a backup. So, yeah, you know, or maybe just... you were just rubbish. <laughs> That's very possible, actually. I mean, I'm surprised I got as far as I got. <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely experience. There are many myths, legends and rumours about the James Bond franchise, but Emma Pine is a 007 trivia expert. What? She, yeah, apparently so. She is going to give us four facts about the James Bond franchise, but only three of them Ooh. are true. Uh, so uh, we have to guess, you and I, Harry, yes. which of these is a load of nonsense. Emma, what are your four supposed facts this about James Bond? Okay, guys, fun. let's see how much you know. Yes. Fact number one, Sean Connery wore a toupee in every one of his Bond films. Mm-hmm. Fact number two... Yes. Judy Dench's ringtone is the James Bond theme song. Fact number so. three, Goldfinger was the first Bond film to feature 007 driving an Aston Martin. Oh. And final fact, George Lazenby and Diana Rigg fell in love while filming on Her Majesty's Secret Service and dated for a year afterwards. Lucky man, George. What a life, Diana Rigg. You know, from, from the Avengers to James Bond to Gorgeous. Game of Thrones. Gorgeous. I was actually but, called after her. My dad was in love with Emma Peel from the Avengers. I was Fanula for two days and my dad changed my name to Emma after Emma Peel. Probably made a good decision. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, of, of course, Judy Dench has got a, a mobile phone, but would she have the James Bond theme as the ringtone? Uh, Dame, the Dame wouldn't. The Dame, uh, no. Dame Judy Dench? No, I don't think so. That, that's that's too corny for her. Now, Sean Connery. I mean, we know he wore a toupee in the in the later films, but did he really wear one back in Doctor No, right at the start? I don't know. He had hair then, didn't he? He had, he had yeah. a lot, it was quite hair suit. Um, and Goldfinger was the first Bond film to feature 007 driving out. We should know this. Yeah, we should. Well, definitely. <laughs> I, 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 yes, Aston Martin. Yes, that's got to be right. Oh, uh, what are we trying to pick? The one that's right or wrong? We're trying to pick the one that's wrong. Ah, um, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go, um, I, you know, I know George Lazenby on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service famously did try it on with a lot of the Bond girls. Um, but, really? uh, you know, I, I, can, I just can't you, see Dinah Rigg, you know. Uh, no, I'd say that George Lazenby and Dinah Rigg were not a couple. That's my okay. guess. I'll, it, go with, I'll go with Dame Judi Dench not having 007 as her ringtone. Enlighten us, Emma. I'm afraid, Harry, Sandra is right. What? Ah, yes. What? Get in. No way. No, Diana Reid would not touch George Lazenby with a barge pole. <laughs> Shaken, oh, well, well stirred. Well done, Diana. And Judy Dench's phone went off during the filming of Skyfall, and that was the ringtone. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. I the name's that. Minetti, Sandro Minetti. But that, that means that, that, means that Sean Connery wore a toupee 
even he in did his first film. Every single Bond film he did. Because I know he, since then he said yeah. he wore a lot of wigs and he's not embarrassed about it. But I didn't realize it started way back then. My goodness mm-hmm. me. Oh. But did he wear a merkin? That's what I'd like to but know. They were really good wigs then. <laughs> they were good wigs. <laughs> did he indeed? You couldn't tell the difference. You couldn't tell. <laughs> Clip on pubes. Oh. <laughs> back when people had pubes. You no. didn't <laughs> see his pubes. You ever seen? Thank you. Order, order. Now on who's the best? It's special guest time. Now, joining us uh, now is our very special guest indeed from the uh, the James Bond franchise. Daz Crawford first sprung to fame in the British version of Gladiators. If you don't know what that is, it was the American Ninja Warriors of its time. He played Tough Man Diesel in that uh, adventure game show, and that brought him to the attention of casting directors for the James Bond film. And he was cast as Zed, uh, the Russian henchman in The World is Not Enough. And uh, please welcome the podcast, Daz Crawford. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello. Daz Crawford. Uh, now, Daz, uh, just give us a sense of how big Gladiators was. Oh, when Gladiators first started um, back in, I think it was around 1991, 10 million people used to watch it. There were live shows, 10,000 people would show up at every show. Uh, we would shoot two shows a day, but they were very popular. Um, we did a lot of personal appearances around the country, and of course, pantomime at Christmas. Um, so You're yeah, in pantomime, Dad. Sorry, you were in pantomime. I was in pantomime, yeah, didn't and Dick know, Whittington didn't know that. Oh yes. Oh, did you yes. play the cat? I did not play that. I played no. I played a couple of characters. I played a, a sultan, oh. uh, the sultan of Uncoco, uh. and I also played Diesel. And Diesel I, as the saver. Yeah, yeah I don't remember Diesel. I don't remember Diesel. 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 Ah. Come on, Diesel was in Dick Whittington. Turn didn't, again, know? Dick. I remember. Next I remember time. that. Well, next Dick time and Diesel. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, clearly, I my historical knowledge is, uh, is 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 lacking of, uh, of Dick <laughs> Whittington. Ten thousand people showed up. Really? Uh, every episode. Yeah. We, Where did we, you film it? We filmed in uh, in Birmingham in the uh, National Indoor oh, Arena. Not the any, not the NIA, NIA, oh, NIA. and um, the arena was huge. And while the ten thousand people were leaving, another ten thousand people would come in for the second show of the day. Extraordinary. Now you filmed Gladiators in the glamorous surroundings of Birmingham, England. Where <laughs> did you film? The world is not enough. What exotic location did you get to go to for that? <laughs> I didn't. We filmed in uh, Shepparton and we filmed also actually in an old RAF base in, um, if I remember right, near Alconbury. Uh, it was the officer's mess that was turned into a So you casino. never left England? No never, Monte Carlo for no. you or I no was trips to Rio? in Ireland yeah. when, Ooh, I got the call, when I got yes. the call for the role. So um, is that when you were dating Emma? <laughs> I was actually doing a gladiator PA at the time. Oh right, I see. So, okay. No. Now you were so famous that I understand Pierce Brosnan actually asked you for your autograph. How did that come about? That was actually so funny. So I was sitting in my trailer and I got a knock on the door, and a guy said, um, "Excuse me, Daz. Um, sorry to interrupt, but is there any chance you could do an autograph?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Who's it for?" He said, "It's for Pierce." I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was a Gladiator fan. Well, first of all, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, James Bond is asking Daz Crawford for his, for his autograph. I said, I don't get it, fill me in. He said, oh, it's just his little son. You've got your Gladiator cards. We have these little cards printed up. 
I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I uh, I signed an autograph for Pierce Brosnan, yeah. And then, uh, and, and then moments later, you were in a, a fight scene with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Now, if anyone wants to uh, bring out their DVDs or look for the clip on, on YouTube, um, Zed is a henchman who is protecting the gangster boss played by Robbie Coltrane, and uh, Pierce Brosnan's 007 wants to go in and meet him. You've got to stop him. A fight scene en- ensues, and Pierce Brosnan beats you up, which, looking at you today, seems a bit ridiculous because you, you're you about seven foot seven, I think, <laughs> in, in, in height. So my question is, how did you even fit in the same frame, let alone, you know, have a convincing fight scene? Well, this, that was, there was a couple of things there. Well, Michael, Michael Apted was the director, and that was one of the issues, the fact that we needed to make it look realistic. And Pierce is not short, but um, it, when I'm stood next to him, he did look small. What is he, six, <laughs> six foot one or something? Six one, yeah, he's no, about shorter than one. me. Yeah. So, LeBron yeah. probably looks short standing next to you. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that? Pierce Brosnan's shorter than me. I did hear that. Yes. So anyway... Um, but, but Harry, this isn't about you, this is about Daz. Sorry, sorry, Daz, over to you. And Pierce Brosnan. So, and, yeah, him. The first, so what happened, when you do watch it, you'll see that to get the dialogue close and tight I do bend down and get in his face and that's the only way it worked but it looks fine it 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 did look fine and 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 obviously it's in the film so they were happy with it but the problem was Pierce needed to strangle me and he did that with my tie with my own tie and that was a bit of an issue there we did practice it for a while and during the rehearsals it did work but on the day in the first take, uh, he, he nearly tried. choked you. <laughs> he tried. No, no, no. It, it was worse. What he did, as as he has to bring his elbow over my head, it didn't go over my head. Ugh. It just went straight into my nose. So, Pierce Brosnan beat you up. Pierce Brosnan whacked me in the face. Uh, what an amateur! On the first take, you know. So I was did like, he break your nose? No, 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 but there was water coming from my eyes. You know, you couldn't stop that. And Piers Brosnan made you cry. Yeah, made me cry. <laughs> well, I just Barbara. think that could have been you, Harry. You could have been beating up Daz. <laughs> yeah. <you're> oh, mate. <laughs> well, but obviously, Barbara was there. Barbara Broccoli, she was there. And the room went quiet. And the first thing Piers said to me was, oh, I'm so sorry. Anything you want. Anything you want. We're good, right? Anything you want. That's what? what he does. He was bribing you. <laughs> he was offering you money. And at the time, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking. Was I? I was like, just so in the moment, I was saying, ah, oh, like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Where well, I should have said, yeah, get me in the next James Bond film. That's what I want. No mind. I'll have your Aston Martin. What have you got parked outside? <laughs> no, Barbara just said to me, come on, take the day off. So I just went home and uh, they carried on with some other That's scenes. That's it, you got a day off. I, I got a day off. Hang on a minute, But Daz. I got paid for the day. So what you're saying is, you are there as the muscle, like at least a foot <laughs> taller than, than Pierce Brosnan, and he actually beats you up and breaks your nose. No one's able to take out Diesel wait, apart from James wait, Bond. Wait, hold on a second. Did he, well, did he actually, wait, that's stop, what, <laughs> stop. Oh, don't be Listen to me now. Listen. It's not like that. Um, Emma's, Listen, my, Emma's my bodyguard. Pierce has got to be treated up. with kid gloves. And I am not allowed to go and chin him just because he whacked me. <laughs> Otherwise, there's hundreds of millions of dollars going out the window. Did it go through your head, though, just for a second? For, I would love to have chinned him. Oh, Dad. Oh, when he did say anything you, you want, you you anything I want to chin you. Dad's Crawford chins Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On set, yeah, it would have been great. There was another little funny thing when I said the first line. <laughs> the first line. And Michael came up to me and whispered in my ear, he said, uh, Daz, uh, where are you from? I said, uh, I'm from Liverpool, mate. 
And he said, um, hmm, do you think you could do a Russian accent? Uh, on the spot. <laughs> it's right very there. like the Liverpoolian right accent. There. Very and like I it. I was like, <laughs> this is Yet. my first acting gig, mate. Come on, give me a break. And, give me uh, a hint. How does and, it sound? Uh, well, this is it. So Sophie Marceau had a, a voice coach. It's uh, very clever, actually, when I look back and she said to me, the, she said to me, what's your first word? I said, it's impossible. And she said, okay, so break it down into syllables. So the first syllable is in. I said, she said, say this, im. So I was im, im, im. And then pause. Pause, 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 and then ibble, ibble. So impossible, impossible, Mr. Bond. So that's how, that's, um, I don't think you heard me, Mr. Bond. Impossible. That's very good. (laughs) Very good, love it. Well, Daz, it would be impossible to let you go before I have you tell us who is your favourite James Bond. After this, the rest of us will debate the subject and tell you the answer. Uh, But, uh, Daz, i got a feeling it won't be Pierce Brosnan, but we'll see. (laughs) Who is your favourite? Who's the best James Bond? Okay, for me, the best James Bond has got to be, and you're going to say this is wrong, He's done the most James Bonds, mm. yes, and you're going to think about it, and you're going to say, no, he hasn't, and yes, he has. He did seven James Bonds. Roger Moore Ooh. did because seven. What? Because? I, for me, I felt Roger Moore, his delivery of his dialogue was perfect. Back then, for me, it was comedy. Yeah, he's really more, way more comedy, and the way he did it, it was so cheesy, I was laughing all the time because he was so good with it. It was his t- He could have been a comedian. His timing was great. So it's definitely got to be Roger Moore. And you're going to say, well, there's somebody else who did seven, but technically they didn't do seven. They did six. Are we talking about Sean Connery? You are. Yeah, because he did... Uh, never she never again. Never was not an official part again. of the that's franchise. Right, that's right. Not an official so I, I, I just feel that, um, that Roger, for me, I guess, and I'm... It's just comedy, you know, and today it's changed. Now it's more action and people get bored with a lot of dialogue. And so they, they, the James Bond of today is very, very different from back then. So, yeah, it's got to be Roger Moore. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Daz Crawford. Hey, Daz. Daz is going, getting on his bike now. He is, indeed. So now, not before time, we can debate who is the best James Bond. Let's recap the candidates. Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. Now, we've heard from Daz that his choice is Roger Moore, and may I say much more. Um, But my choice of the best James Bond, and I don't want any debate here, I think it's clear, you know, my show, my choice, the best James Bond by far is, was, will ever be, Timothy Dalton. What? No. Come no, on. No. no. Can't be. Sandro, you're taking the mickey, right? When Timothy Dalton came to the role, he had a real challenge. The part had been did. so well-established by Sean Connery, so well-reinvented by Roger Moore. So what do you do as an actor? Well, he went back to the source material. Now, I'm a huge fan of the James Bond movies, but I'm even more of a fan of Ian Fleming's James Bond books. And I would argue that Timothy Dalton's character is so close 
to the James Bond laid out in the books. This guy, really, you believe that he had a license to kill. He was ruthless. He wasn't about being charming. It wasn't so much about the girls. He was about the mission, getting the job done. If I was M and was sending a 007 into the field, Timothy Dalton would be the man to send to get the job done. Have I convinced you? No. No. Well, Roger Ebert, I thought, said it best. He said that Timothy Dalton was the only Bond that seemed to like action more than sex, and that's not good for a Bond. Well, it was a challenge because he took the part in the safe sex era, post-AIDS, of course, so one of the ways that he had to reinvent the character. So he had societal challenges against him as well as the weight of history. And I know at the time, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, most people's popular James Bond and the franchise almost imploded for a while. But I think with the distance of time, he is like a, a pop record or a great film that all these years later you think, yes, that's exactly how James Bond would be, and his two Bond films still stand up, in my opinion. So, Emma, is he the best James Bond? No, absolutely not. I'm. Do you want to say something, I'd, I'd like to say something, because you'd have shot yourself in the foot there, Sandro. <laughs> Ow! It hurts! <laughs> well, you just said he, the, the James Bond franchise almost imploded when he did it. And it almost, Absolutely. It, he almost ended the franchise. He did, actually. Sometimes it takes a while for genius to be appreciated. The history of showbiz, the history of composing, the history of art will tell you that. Vincent van Gogh, you know, never sold, only sold one painting in his life. Yes. Now he's considered the greatest artist yes. of all time. Fine. To me, Timothy Dalton is the Vincent van Gogh of the 007 franchise. But that's, that's, that's absolute rubbish. If you have a, a, an actor who comes into a role, one of the most established franchises in history of cinema, and almost as you said, implodes the franchise after doing, let's remind ourselves, only two movies. That is not a good performance in that part. I met Timothy Dalton. I was lucky enough to meet him years ago at a, at a dinner. Did in you Savannah. meet him at an audition? No, I met him actually at a dinner. A, 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 a oh. big dinner and a, it's a long story, but I will not go into it. Uh, <laughs> in Savannah, Georgia, in the uh, Bonaventure Cemetery. Sounds like you're going into it. On, <laughs> ha- on Halloween evening. <laughs> and there was a lot of us at the table and Timothy Dalton was there. And I was actually quite... I was actually quite, you know, uh, nervous to meet Timothy Dalton because he is an icon of, you know, English cinema and theatre. And he was the sweetest man. And we did start to talk about Bond a bit, even though he doesn't like talking about it because it's not his proudest moment, as he said himself. It wasn't my proudest moment, Sandro. I've met Timothy Dalton too, but I'm not going to tell the story because we'll be here until the cows come home <laughs> if we wait for Harry to, to basically, you know. So basically, yes, he's a nice guy. Thank you very much. Emma, who's the best Bond? I'm going to say, well, I'm kind of torn because I really like Sean Connery, but I'm going to go with the Irish James Bond. I'm going to go with Pierce Brosnan. <sighs> I mean, that tsunami scene in... And Die Another Day was just phenomenal. That's one of the best James Bond scenes ever. Like he 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 arrives on the top of the the yes. iceberg. Yeah, but and he's not even disheveled. He's hairy. He's surfing a tsunami. Yeah, yeah. he's the superpowered James Bond as well as the Irish James Bond. And he was kind of the blend of suave, cool, sophisticated, That's patriotic. Exactly. Yeah. So. I, yeah. A little, un- but yeah, no, he was totally coordinated and served in the tsunami. Yeah. You, you got to watch that yeah. scene again. Amazing, and he was very sexy as, as James Bond. Let's let's be honest. It's about who's the sexiest James Bond at the end of the day, isn't it? Who's you know who? Which one are you going to get your knickers so off for? Immaculate. I mean, the hair never moved. It's it about like which one you're going to get your knickers like off. It, it kind of is, isn't it? Let, let's face it. It's it's who is the sexiest James Bond? And Pierce Brosnan was kind of sexy. 
don't remember that being the title of the show, but, you know, whatever category you want to, want to use, you know, I mean, you could use who's the best actor, of course, you could use who's the who's the sexiest, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that's part of the thing. But, <laughs> you see, James Bond has a license to kill. Emma, it seems to me that Pierce Brosnan looks like he couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag. Isn't that a problem? Well, he definitely got a jazz in the nose, but no, I, I he think... He did. <laughs> no, that wasn't scripted. <laughs> I think he was great. I'm sticking with Pierce Brosnan. He didn't. He didn't have that that hard edge. Definitely. I so mean, you like the harder edge bonds? Well, as you said in, in Ian Fleming's original novel, novel, he is licensed to kill. He is a killing machine, and I will therefore say that one of the best James Bonds at the moment, I think, is Daniel Craig. He has brought that back to the man who you know can do the job. Um, Daniel Craig is tough. He's hard. He's every man's man. And sexy. And sexy. Emma says he's sexy. And I think, you know, I mean, he did the reversal of the Ursula Andress walking out of the water scene with his little little um, little trunks on. Yeah, and all it's, the women uh, swooned, apparently. <laughs> hey, uh, I mentioned at the start, having uh, hosted the global sort of press launches of uh, of the last few Bond films, uh, because I'm one of the few people in the world who can make Daniel Craig laugh. Um, he, <laughs> he is... Uh, he by, tickles him. By doing my, <laughs> by doing my Im- impersonation, uh, which I won't do now, of no, a former on, Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers, uh, because Daniel Craig is a huge Liverpool FC fan. Oh, dear. And, uh, you know, if you really want to get him talking, you've got to talk about Liverpool FC for him for about 15 minutes, and then when he's all warmed up, put him out on stage and let him talk about James Bond. This is a man who famously said, I would slash my wrist yes. before I turn, return to the James Bond role. I his hands off. And uh, he's had a few years to re- fix his wrist, so now he's back, you know, in the in, in the next one. But, uh, so, he, I mean, to me, the reason I don't vote for him is because he seemed to have a certain um, lack of enthusiasm and love right. for, the, for the part. But that's more about, you know, his public sort of facing uh, attitude, you know. But uh, off-screen, he's great, especially when talking about uh, football. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a, a tough James Bond, but is he as tough as, as Connery? No. I mean, my my, fav- my favourite is, without doubt, Sean Connery. But I think Daniel Craig has taken the mantle from Sean Connery, which none of the actors in between Sean Connery managed to do. Um, and I think Daniel Craig is the closest you'll get to a modern-day take on the role as Sean Connery did it. I mean, let's be honest. There would be no franchise without Sean Connery. In Doctor No, this is my argument for Sean Connery here, in Doctor No, you don't see the characters not introduced till 22 minutes into the film. There's a lot of preamble in the film, a lot of talk about James Bond, a lot of talk about the whole organization. And then you have that incredible casino scene when the camera comes into the casino. You don't see, if you watch it again closely, listeners, look at that scene. You don't see, it's a brilliant bit of directing by Terence Young, in that you don't see Sean Connery, you see his hands... You see him lighting a cigarette. You see over his shoulder. You see his ear. He's talking to the woman, Sylvia Trench, across the other side of the table. And then he says the immortal line. He says, I think, I don't know the exact line, but he says, it's your lucky night, Mish. <laughs> and, he, and she goes, Trench, Sylvia Trench. And you are lining up for the classic words in cinema history. The cigarette goes up to the mouth. He lights the cigarette looks at her with a little twink in his eye and goes, Bond, James Bond. And history has made the music comes in, dun 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 Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that Sean Connery almost will actually turn down the part of Bond because when everyone was auditioning for James Bond, everyone in England was going up for the part or every actor was lined up and Sean Connery was on that list. And Sean Connery was a very casual man around London at the time. He never wore a suit. He always wore sweaters and slacks and slip-on shoes or sandals like a lot of people in the 60s did. 
And his agent begged him. He said, for God's sake, Sean, go and buy a suit. You're meeting with, you know, Terence Young and, and Cubby Broccoli, and they want to see you for Bond. So, you know, good old Sean Connery turns up to their Dean Street office in his sweater and slacks and slip-on sandals and wanders into the office. And they start going on about how they're going to make James Bond into this Savile Row-wearing, suit-wearing, martini-shaker-not-stirred, which is not in the original script at all. The like in the, a Cary Grant type. Exactly. I mean, the original James Bond movie, he was, an, he was a whiskey-drinking alcoholic and a very dark character in the Ian Fleming books. And they're talking, waffling on about this, and Sean Connery just stops them, apparently. And this is from Barbara Broccoli told me this years later. And Sean Connery leans across the table, he's quite imposing anyway, and says, excuse me, he's a bloody killer. He's licensed to bloody well kill. If you don't make him a killer and turn him into some ponce-wearing suit and drinking martinis, it's not going to bloody well work. And gets up and walks out of the office. And they're both a bit shocked by this. But then Cubby Broccoli goes to his window in Dean Street and looks down, and there he sees Sean Connery walking across the street towards his little sports car, and he calls Terence Young and says, look, 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 look. And they watch Sean Connery, and Sean Connery, as Henry G. Wilson said later on, he actually was quoted as saying, he had the threatening grace of a panther on the prowl. Now, if you look at Sean Connery in those movies, he moves incredibly through every scene, he is like a man ready to pounce at any minute. That's what makes him the killer that he is. And he learned that, funny enough, from a woman called Yat Malgren, who was a Swedish movement teacher, who Robert Henderson, who was the person who took him under his wings, another story I'll tell later on, <laughs> but took him under his wing during South Pacific and introduced him to Yat Malgren. And she taught Sean Connery, who was six foot two, Mr. Universe bodybuilder, to move like this panther. And it was thanks to that that he got the role of James Bond, the way he walked across Dean Street, jumped into his sports car, and drove away. Cubby Broccoli turned to Terence Young and said, that is James Bond. He certainly was a hard act to follow. The person who followed him was George Lazenby. I noticed that none of us have actually made the case for George Lazenby as the best James Bond. But if it came down to best storyteller, I think he would certainly win it. Uh, I've interviewed him on stage several times and he's always full of stories. You talk about uh, tough guys. Did you know he used to be Russell Crowe's landlord? (laughs) <laughs> yes, George Lazenby, who lives out in Santa Monica, here in Los Angeles, where we're broadcasting from today. And what he would do, he was rent out his spare room to actors from Australia and New Zealand, uh, new to town. And one of those actors who was trying to make it uh, in, in Hollywood in the, in the 90s was Russell Crowe. And he'd done a film over there, Romper Stomper, and he was coming to Hollywood to try and make it. But Russell Crowe has a certain um, uh, arrogance and mm-hmm. confidence somewhere might say when it comes to acting. So when he would audition for Law and Order and all the crime shows here, the role would be, you know, American cop. And he'd say, uh, no, I want to make it an Australian cop. You know, <laughs> And he'd always like change the character to, to fit him, regardless of what it is. You know, it's a crusading lawyer from Mississippi. Let's make him from Sydney or Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> so Russell Crowe would never get any, any parts. And so he'd troop home to George Lazenby. How did it go? And his landlord, George, he'd have to tell his landlord, no, I didn't get the part again. So George Lazenby started teaching Russell Crowe an American accent. What? Uh, how, yes. I thought you were saying how to act. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thankfully not. Uh, teaches him an American <laughs> accent and then he uses it in his next audition for a film called L.A. Confidential. Wow. And there is the movie that really put Russell Crowe on the map and started him on the path to, you know, the great movie star he is today. But uh, George Lazenby is still bitter 
because he wants a percentage of his earnings, thinking that Russell Crowe would be nothing if it wasn't for his keen tuition. Can we just think about that for a minute? Mm. Here's an actor, George Lazenby, who played James Bond terribly, who actually, when he had to play an English professor in James Bond, he was dubbed by another actor, I think. George Baker. By George Baker, Mm -hmm. because he couldn't do the English accent. So if you actually watch On Her Majesty's Secret Secret Service, Service, which is one of the best Bond moves, it's a great story. But George Lazenby, most of it, he is he is actually dubbed, and sometimes his mouth is moving or not moving, and words are coming out if you look at it closely. There's a scene when he walks down the corridor and he says, thank you very much, and gives someone his keys, and his mouth isn't even open when he's saying thank you very much. <laughs> so, I mean, someone like that who can't do an English accent is then teaching Russell Crowe how to do an American accent. It's kind of incredible ironic. that that, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> it, yes, it is. Uh, it, it, it is really ironic. So uh, maybe not the best actor, but uh, certainly full of full of stories and uh, a colourful guy. So it seems that uh, Connery clearly has a lot of uh, supporters, not least you, Harry. I spoke to Paul McCartney's stepsister, Ruth McCartney, for our episode, uh, our podcast on who's the best Beatle. Um, but while I was speaking to her, she also wanted to make a case for the best 007. My favourite James Bond, of course, is Sean Connery because I've got a lovely memory of him. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, I was living and working in London and I was a bartender and there was a nice gentleman, elderly gentleman, American used to come in called Irving Kirshner and we got on like a house on fire and whenever Irving came to London, he would hire me for a couple of days to run him around in my mini, which was just oh so posh. So one day he rings me up and he says, can you pick me up? I've got to go and have a meeting at the Dorchester. So I picked up Irving, went over to the Dorchester and he says, oh, there he is now. So the, the lift opens and out steps Sean Connery. And he's got his lovely wife, Micheline, with him and a young Jason Connery. He said, well, let's go and get something to eat. We get outside and I said, well, you know, where's your car? Do you have a car service? And Irving said, oh, no, they can all pile in your mini. Well, now picture this. So I've got Irving Kirshner, young Jason Connery and Michelin stuffed in the backseat of a mini, pinching myself, driving James Bond 007. So we get close to the restaurant and it, uh, the heavens open, starts pouring with rain. I drop everybody off and Sean says, well, you're not walking in this rain by yourself, Missy. I mean, that, that would be not chivalrous of me. I, I'll come with you. So off we go and we park the car. And as we're walking up Bond Street, he start, it's pouring with rain and he starts swinging around the lamppost. It's a, it's a pedestrian area. And he starts doing do, 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 singing in the rain. I couldn't believe it. I got a private concert in the rain from 007 in Bond Street after I just subjected him to a ride in a 1972 Mini with a plywood floor. So that's why he's my favourite James Bond. She makes a very convincing case. Listen out for more from uh, Ruth McCartney in our episode, Who's the Best Beatle? Um, Next, I want to introduce a clip of Karate Kid and Rambo actor Martin Kova. You'll remember him from ordering Johnny to sweep the leg when he was Sensei Kreese. But he was also uh, Sean Connery's stand-in on the early 70s film The Anderson Tapes. He shared memories of learning from uh, you know, his idol, Sean Connery, when we spoke at the very noisy WonderCon convention recently. Here's what he told me he learned from his acting hero. I, as an actor, I learned to listen. It was the greatest lesson I ever got from Sean Connery. It was 1971. I wasn't sure if I should go out and act professionally or go back to school. And he said to me, Young man, if you can do Antigone, you can do anything. Which meant if I could do the classics, go out there and get a job and 
X. Forget about school, it's over. And he was just terrific, and I, I never forgot him for saying that. We met 10 years later, became tennis partners, and played tennis with James Bond, and on the other end, he's screaming curse words when he missed the ball. And I, I reveled in it. And I said, I'm playing tennis with James Bond. And those stories will stay with me forever. And a lot of today's stories will uh, stay with you forever, hopefully. Before I announce the result of who is the best James Bond and how we arrived at this decision, uh, let me tell you about um, the history of who's the best. It started out as a series of live debate shows. Our audience at the live show, Who's the Best 007, voted for the best James Bond. So did members of the Brits and LA community, um, of which we're all uh, members, and so did our uh, guests and my co-host today. So combining their score with the, the votes of the community and the public and the live show has helped us come up with a result. I will now announce the result in reverse order for who's roll? the best James Bond. In third place, Roger Moore. Oh, Roger. In second place, Daniel Craig. Oh, Really? And in first place, the best James Bond, according to our listener vote, by a landslide. Harry Van Gogh. No, 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 sorry. Sorry to do it to you. Almost, Harry, almost. Pipped again, pipped again. Pipped again. (laughs) Should have been, would have been, could have been. That's that's what his license plate says. No, (laughs) the best James Bond is... Sean Connery! I'm not really surprised. So Harry wins, right? So I win. The original and still the best, you may say. So Sean Connery is the best James Bond. Harry, Emma, any final thoughts? Well, I mean, I feel a tiny bit bad for Pierce Brosnan. He probably lost it on his coordination, but I'm not really surprised. I think. I I just uh, remember something. I actually drove drove Pierce Brosnan's car when I first came to Hollywood. Oh, you were his driver? No, it was a rental car service, okay? And it was a convertible green Mustang. And the guy said, Piers Brosnan had this. I thought, well, that's a sign, I thought. <laughs> well, on... A bad <laughs> sign, I think, Harry, a bad sign. On that fascinating bombshell, thanks to our guest today. Thanks to producer Dave King and composer Liz Rossi for our great theme tune. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. Listener, what did you think of the public's opinion? What did uh, you think of what our guests had to say? We'd love to hear from you. Send us a tweet with your thoughts to at who's the best pod. You can also follow us on Instagram again at who's the best pod. Make sure to stay up with the latest episodes of who's the best. Subscribe, whatever. Give us a, a listen, a rate and a review. Who's the best? The best. This podcast has been a Right Angles production.